And now we take you to Evangel Church in Tallahassee, Florida, to another powerful, life-changing message. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Well, if you've got your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 6, verse 13. We're going to look at one verse there, Matthew 6, verse 13. And uh, last week we started a series called This Fight is Worth Fighting. The fight is worth fighting. And I want to talk to you today about fighting against discouragement. Fighting against discouragement. Now turn to somebody. You're not, I know you're not sitting beside people unless you're related to them. But turn to somebody and point to them and say, you need this message. Come on. Tell them, say, you need this message. Talking about fighting against discouragement. Because every single one of us, every single one of us, we have an enemy. And that enemy is called discouragement. In the Old Testament, Elijah was powerfully used of God. He called fire down from heaven, put 450 false prophets to death, outran Ahab's chariot 25 miles across the plains of Jezreel, where the valley of Armageddon will one day be fought. He did all of that, but afterwards he was physiologically spent, he was fatigued, he was stressed to the max, and he grew discouraged. David, Psalms 42, O my soul, why art thou cast down? Why art thou disquieted within me? The Apostle Paul, I thought I had within me, he wrote to the Corinthians, the sentence of death. Where I had to trust in the God who raises the dead. In other words, Paul says, I thought I was literally going to die. That's how discouraging things were. Peter. Peter wrote, cast all your care upon him because he cares for you. He says, I've been discouraged. I've been there when it didn't look like anything was going to work. And I've learned the secret. And that's casting my care upon the Lord. Now, Jesus in Matthew 6 verse 13 is teaching the disciples to pray. And in verse 13, he tells us this, pray in this way, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Okay, I want you to say that aloud and loudly with me. I want you to make the rafters ring in this place. Shout it out, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. One more time, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. I just want to suggest to you that sometimes temptation wants to overtake you for a season of your life. And Jesus says, I want you to pray that you'll not enter temptation. Specifically, we need to say, Lord, may I never enter the temptation of giving place to discouragement. Got some good news this morning. You ready for it? We don't have to get discouraged just because we have an opportunity to get discouraged. Amen. You can avoid some marvelous opportunities to be down and out for a season of your life. Amen. When I was a young pastor, how many of you know churches are great, especially when everybody acts like a saint? But how many of you know when you get people, even redeemed people, saved people, when you get them together, they don't always act like a saint. They don't always act. Okay. 
I'm like the old guy that prayed. He says, oh, to live above with the saints I know, I know that'll be glory. But to live below with the people I know, that's a different story. You know? And when I was a young pastor, sometimes because people wouldn't always act the best, I'd get discouraged. And one day it dawned on my lightning fast mind that instead of getting discouraged that what I needed to do is I needed to have a response of faith. How many of you know when discouragement knocks at your door, faith can answer it? Discouragement can knock at your door and some really bad news can come your way. But faith can say, what shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Now, it's one thing to say that on Sunday morning when we're all here together. It's another thing to say it when it's the middle of the night and you can't sleep. It's another thing to say it when the phone rings at 2 a.m. and it's bad news. It's another thing to say it when, when, when things are just not going right. But when the phone rings and discouragement is on the phone, you can answer it and say, hey, I know that God makes everything work together for my good because I love him and I call according to his purpose. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. When you get a discouraging social media text. How many of you know you don't have just to accept that? You can say, yeah, I hear what you're saying and I hear what's being said. And this may be true, but I have a God that fights for me. And no weapon formed against me can prosper. Every tongue lifted against me, I shall show to be in the wrong. For God is fighting for me. And I'm going to show, uh, he's going to show himself strong on my behalf. Can you say hallelujah? hallelujah? Glory to God. Let me share with you four things this morning about discouragement. Four things about discouragement. Now this is more of a teaching. But I want you to just stay with me. I want you just to keep, keep, keep your eyes and your ears and your hearts open. Because I'm going to share with you some things today that can be life transforming. I'm going to share with you four things about discouragement. And I'm going to share with you then eight times that you're most vulnerable to be discouraged. Okay, listen. Okay, everybody got their, got, got their, hearing, their hearing open? Got your hearts open? Here we go. Number one, discouragement is an equal opportunity enemy. Discouragement does not discriminate based on your age or your gender or the color of your skin or who your mom and daddy were. See, little children can get discouraged. Teenagers can get discouraged. Young adults can get discouraged. Middle-aged adults, older adults, senior adults, everybody can get discouraged, okay? Number two, discouragement is a dark force from hell that has an agenda. And the agenda of discouragement is to get you to check out, to get you to throw in the towel, to give up. See, discouragement wants to create doubts in your head. Many times a battle will go on between your ears and the discouragement will try to bring doubts. It'll try to bring doubts about who God is, about his faithfulness, about his love, about his trust trustworthiness. Sometimes you'll be going through some times, you know, David said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Sometimes we're walking through the valley of the shadow of death and our emotions, if we're not careful, see discouragement wants to get in your emotions and it'll take you down. When my dad passed away and in those weeks, how many of you had to plan a COVID funeral? That's not fun to do. When you sit in the funeral home, they say, you know, we can't have more than 10 people here. 
That's not, I mean, my dad had planned out his funeral. My dad had a speaker from Oklahoma City that's coming to speak. My dad, my dad had, Errol Stafford was supposed to come sing for my dad. And, 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 and dad had it all planned out. It was going to be a great Holy Ghost service. If you knew my dad, you'd know that's exactly what he wanted. And so now we're having to do a, a COVID service. And some of you, bless your hearts, you came, we had 25 people there. We just didn't. Rocky Beavis and I agreed not to tell anybody. (laughs) Hallelujah. Glory to God. But it's not the way we had planned it. And, And here's discouragement will get down in your soul. Discouragement will make you doubt God. Discouragement will make you doubt yourself. Your abilities, your skills. See, the old devil will lie to you. Why? If you had your act together, that would never have happened. If you were a person of excellence, this would never have happened. But the devil's a liar. He'll try to get you even to forget who you are, what you have in Christ. He will attack your own self-image. But dear ones, you're more than a conqueror through Christ who strengthens you. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. You are a new creature in Christ Jesus. Somebody say hello. Amen. Now say good preaching. Okay. When the devil wants to attack a marriage, what does he do? He tries to get one of the spouses to focus on the things that are wrong in the marriage. How many of you know the perfect marriage does not exist? You say, Pastor, surely there was, didn't Adam and Eve have a perfect marriage? Well, let me ask you this. They had one son that murdered another son. How many think that was a perfect family? I think it was highly dysfunctional. And if the devil can get you focused on the things that are not right about your marriage, if he can get you focused on the, on, on the weaknesses of your, of your husband or the weaknesses of your wife, because everybody, listen, the perfect person does not exist apart from our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? The perfect husband doesn't exist. The perfect wife doesn't exist. We've all got strengths and we've all got weaknesses. And if the enemy can get the husband focused on his wife's weaknesses, where he's thinking about them, he's talking about them, he's meditating on them, he's reviewing them in his mind. He may be even talking to other people about them. He may be talking to God about them. Let me tell you something. He's got you going in a pathway of discouragement that you may not be able to pull out of that that turn unless you begin not to focus on the weaknesses, but everybody's also got strengths strengths. Everybody's got things that make them attractive. I mean, after all, at some point in time, you must have found her very, very attractive or else you wouldn't have got married. Amen. You must have found him very handsome. You just didn't know that he sits around in his underwear burping and watching ESPN all the time. No, I'm sure your husband doesn't do that. When the devil wants to discourage a church, when he wants to defeat a local congregation, he tries to discourage the pastors. He tries to discourage the deacons and the board. He tries to discourage the lay leaders. He tries to come against you. It says in the Old Testament, smite the shepherd and you will scatter the sheep. The devil doesn't play fair. Dear ones, all it took was 10 spies to discourage a nation of millions of people. 
There were two spies that had a good report, Caleb and Joshua. They said, we can take the land. Yes, there are walled cities. Yes, there are giants there, but we can take it. We may look like grasshoppers in their sight, but it doesn't matter. God's fighting for us. I'm telling you, when God's fighting for you, you may look outnumbered. You may look outclassed. They were. But remember when Joshua and the children of Israel started taking the promised land, there was one time that they were going against an army that was superior in number and superior in weaponry. Remember what God did? God sent some hornets. Can you imagine tens of thousands of hornets descending upon? I don't care what kind of armor you're wearing. I don't care what kind of armor you got. Tens of thousands of hornets, that made them all run away. And God gave Israel victory. He would have done that 40 years earlier. But there were 10 people that were discouraged and they discouraged a nation. Number three, discouragement goes for your soul. This is important that you grasp this, okay? I'm getting ready to unpack something. It's very important. Discouragement goes for your soul. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23 says, Now may the very God of peace sanctify you holy. Now, now stay with me. May the very God of peace sanctify you holy. And I pray God, your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless until the coming of our Lord. You are a three-part being. You have a body. You have a spirit. Your spirit is where Jesus lives inside you. Your spirit is where, 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 where when you are born again, Jesus comes to live inside you. It's that part of you that's eternal. When our life is over on this earth, it's our spirit that goes to heaven. But you also have a soul. You have a body and a spirit and a soul. In your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. And the devil will send discouragement, not against your spirit, not so much against your body, but against your soul. He will try to, see, see David put it this way. He says, he restores my soul. Thank God that the Holy Spirit restores our soul. Thank God that the Lord Jesus Christ is still restoring our soul. But the devil will target your mind your will and your emotions and discouragement will go for your soul because your soul is your mind, your will and your emotions and that's where there's spiritual warfare that takes place. Now stay with me. I want you to catch this. John writing in his final epistle, 3 John chapter 1 verse 2. It's a verse some of you are familiar with. It says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper. Now somebody read those, some people read those words and they stop. They get all excited. But note, he says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health. Now watch this. Just as your soul prospers. This word prosper comes from the Greek word you do. E-U-D-O-O. It means to have success on a journey. It means to meet your own goals. It has nothing to do with what kind of house you live in or what kind of car you drive or how much money is in the bank. It has everything to do with you being able to achieve your own goals and your own dreams and your own objectives in life. Okay? Now watch this. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health even as your soul prospers. Catch this. Catch it. Catch it. Hear it. Hear it. Hear it. Here it comes. Prosperity does not begin with what you have. It begins with who you are. I said prosperity does not, is not determined by what you have. Prosperity is not determined by living in a COVID-free environment. 
Prosperity is not determined by living in a country that doesn't have racial tensions. Prosperity is not determined by living in a country that's not suffering inflation. And if you don't think we're not having inflation, just go to the grocery store. We are starting, we're on the road to inflation. Prosperity does not begin with the number of houses you own or the number of cars or the amount of money you got in the bank. Prosperity is determined by what's going on inside you. Is your soul prospering this morning? Do you have a merry heart that does you good like a medicine? I mean, you may be worth billions of dollars, but if you're dependent on drugs or alcohol, you are not prospering. Come on now. The devil will target your soul because the devil doesn't want you to prosper. He will oppress your soul. He wants to get into your thinking. The devil wants to get into your feelings. He wants to get into your emotions. He did this to Peter. You'll remember Peter on the night Jesus was was betrayed. He denied Christ three times. With the last denial, Jesus looked at him as he was being led out of Caiaphas' courtyard. And the Bible says Peter looked at Jesus. He realized what he had done. And he went out. Last verse of Luke chapter 23 says, Peter went out and he wept bitterly. Oh, he had disappointed himself. He knew he had disappointed God. How could he ever ask God for forgiveness? And how could he ever forgive himself? But that same Peter... That same Peter would write in 1 Peter chapter 5, 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 7 through 9. This is out of the New Living Translation. He says, give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. New King James Version, casting all your care upon him because he cares for you. See, Peter had come to the place that he had to cast his disappointment. He had to cast his discouragement. He had to cast his depression. He had to cast his, his, where he had failed himself and failed other people. He had to give it to God. Look at what he says. Give all your worries and cares to God for he cares about you. Verse eight, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Did you catch that? The devil goes about like a roaring lion. But I got news for you today. He may go around like a roaring lion, but he's masquerading because he's no match for the lion of the tribe of Judah, who is Jesus the Christ, the son of the living God. Amen. So he goes about like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Who can I bring a spirit of discouragement upon today? That's the reason Jesus said, pray that you're not led into temptation. Say, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. Oh, we want to be delivered from every opportunity to be discouraged. Okay, well, I, I may be preaching a little better than you're listening, but we'll just keep at it, okay? <laughs> Verse 9, stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. That word stand firm, it refers, it's, it's histamine in the Greek. What is, an antihistamine puts a block on what? When you take a cold medicine, 
that's got an antihistamine in it. See, the same Greek word. They even had it back in Bible days, okay? When you take a cold medicine that's got an antihistamine on it, it puts a block on drainage. It puts a block on histamine. And that's literally what he says. I want you to stand firm against him. I want you to take a block. Let me tell you something funny. Years ago, I was preaching the same, the same words are used in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, when Paul says, having done all to stand, stand therefore. And I was preaching about how we need to stand against the devil. And I was down in Peru. I was in the, in the, in the South African rainforest. And I met up with a missionary out there. He joined our team. And this guy had played offensive tackle at Louisiana State University. He was an LSU Tiger. Okay. He was a big guy. And I said, come on up here to the platform. I mean, we're in a soccer stadium. There are a couple of thousand people, but they're far away from me. I really can't see them very good. I said, come on up and let's enter it. Let's. Let's illustrate what it means to put a block on the devil. Well, I thought he would let me kind of block him. Let me tell you what that guy did. He, that, he was a big fella. He, he, he forearmed me. He gave me a shivers forearm like this. And I came up off my feet. And there were some guitars behind us on stands, kind of like this guitars down here. I ended up on top of those guitars. I mean, there was a loud clattering and people started, they thought it was all part of what was planned. They thought it was all part of what, we didn't intend that at all. I mean, I took me a while to, 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 to gather myself after that. But here's the, here's the point. I want you to remember this. You can put a block on the devil. How do you do that? Look at this. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world are going through the same kind of sufferings. Number one, you're going to put a block on the devil because the devil is going to try to isolate you and tell you you're the only one going through this, but he's a liar. Other people are going through it. Look what it says. Your whole family of believers all over the world are going through the same kind of sufferings you are. Folks, the whole world is suffering because of this coronavirus. We're, we're better off than 70%. We're, we're, we're better off than 70% of the world's population. We are. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. Glory to God. Number four. Discouragement will attack us at our most vulnerable moments. Hear that? Discouragement will attack you at your most vulnerable moments. Let me share with you very quickly eight moments that you're especially vulnerable to discouragement. We'll wind this thing up with, with these, these eight, eight thoughts, okay? Number one, you're vulnerable to discouragement after a painful, traumatic event in your life. After a painful, dramatic event. When King David, before he became king... 1 Samuel chapter 30, he and his 600 warriors come back to Ziklag. They find that the village where they left their wives and their children and all their gold and silver had been burnt. Everything had been stolen. And their kids and their wives and their concubines had all been taken by the Amalekites. And the Bible says those men lifted their voices and they wept until there was no more strength to weep. They just cried themselves out. And then they looked at David and said, this is your fault. You're our leader. You get, if we had never followed you, this would never have happened. And they spoke of stoning David. And as they picked up stones to stone him, verse 6 of 1 Samuel 30, verse 6, says that David encouraged himself in the Lord. I'm telling you, saints, we don't have to get discouraged every time the bottom seems to drop out of life. You don't have to get discouraged every time. Kathy woke me up real early the morning of 
April 20th and says, Terrell, your dad's not breathing. Your dad's not breathing. I just given him a sponge bath about 11 o'clock that night, the night before. He wasn't talking. He hadn't been talking for a couple of days. But he seemed to respond to me. I would prayed with him and I would kissed him on the on the forehead, told him good night, said, I'll see you in the morning. And the next morning I walk in there and it's dad's body, but dad's not there. The old devil says, see there. He served God all his life and look what's happened. See there. He sacrificed and traveled the world preaching the gospel. And now it's all over with. What are you going to do now? I just sat down in the room before we called hospice, before we called anybody. I just sat down in the room and I just said, Jesus, I want to thank you for my dad. I want to thank you for his love. I want to thank you for the legacy he's left me. I want to thank you, Lord Jesus, for his concern for me. I want to thank you for all the help that he's given me over the years. And I want to thank you, Lord, that he's in heaven now and he's walking down streets of gold. And Lord, I know that there may be many, maybe the afflictions of the righteous, but you deliver us out of them all. I want you to hear that. You may be going through affliction this morning, but I'm telling you, we still serve a delivering God and he's looking for you to count him faithful. I said, Lord, many may be the afflictions of the righteous, but you deliver us out of them all. And then I thought, what is dad's favorite verse? It's Romans 8 31. What shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? By this time, Kathy's back in the room and I'm now standing on my feet and I'm saying, God, you are for us. Who can be against us? Hallelujah. Now I didn't feel revival in my bones. I didn't feel victory in my bones. I felt numb is the truth. But it was so important that I have a response that's consistent with God's word. Because heaven and earth are going to pass away, but this word will never pass away. Terrell's little feeble thoughts are going to pass away one day. But his word is never going to pass away. And I want that which is settled in heaven to be settled in me. I want it settled in you. Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, discouragement can come when we hear negative whisperings and discouraging conversations. Those things can stress us and discourage us. In the book of Nehemiah, there were three men. They were Palestinians. They did not want to see the walls of Jerusalem rebuilt. Their names were Sanballat, Tobiah, and Gershom. And they threatened Nehemiah. We're going to come and we're going to kill you and your workers. Nehemiah said, I'd like to see you try. He gave all his men and women that were working on the wall. He gave them a trowel in one hand and a sword in the other. He says, listen, you keep a a trumpet and if somebody gets attacked, you blow it. We're all going to drop our trowels and bring our swords. We're going to take care of them. That didn't stop the attack, though. The enemy kept... A whisper campaign. The devil will do that to you. He'll mount a whisper campaign. He'll try to whisper to you and try to tell you nothing's going to work out. The truth is not in him. The devil, according to Jesus, is a liar from the beginning. But they they mounted this whisper campaign. And Nehemiah said these words. This is in Nehemiah chapter 4. He said, ten times the Jews that lived close to them came to us and told us that they were going to destroy us. Here's what Nehemiah did. 
He trusted God and they kept on working and they finished that wall in 52 days. Hear me. The enemy wants to use discouragement to get you to stop your work for God. He wants to use discouragement to keep you from pressing on in the things of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's a liar. Sometimes we can get discouraged when we go through seasons of stress and fatigue and spiritual warfare. Stress is simply being stressed to the breaking point. If you ever get to the place where you say, if anybody looks at me sideways, I'm going to slap them. If anybody else walks in my office and gives me a discouraging word, I'm going to shoot them. You're probably stressed. You need a change of atmosphere. Get up. Don't shoot anybody. Don't slap anybody. Get up there and leave that place. Get a different perspective. Number four, moments of personal disappointment and failure can stress you out. Peter was stressed when he failed Christ. Number five, you can get discouraged in situations of loneliness and isolation. What's going on today because of this pandemic? What's happening to many people? Oh, they're trying to stay safe in their homes and they're not getting around other people. What's going on with those that are in convalescent homes and in nursing homes? Some nursing homes let you have window visits, but some don't. Some people in their rehab today, you can't even visit them. See, one of the devil's, one of the devil's strategies is to isolate you and to conquer you. And see, we're made for relationships. We're made to interact with people. That's the reason we need to be interacting either online or by the phone or wear a mask any way you can. But you need to be with other people. Number six, when your dreams and hopes are delayed, you can fight discouragement. Proverbs 13 says this, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a desire realized is a tree of life. And so many times, dear ones, I just look up to heaven and I say, God, I thank you that I've got a desire realized coming my way. Lord, I'm not going to have a hope deferred that's going to make me sick at heart. Lord, I may be sick at heart about this, that, and the other, but God, I thank you that my desire is going to be realized and you're going to answer my prayers and you're coming through for me. Number seven, we can get discouraged when unexpected disappointments come. Joshua got disappointed when Israel was defeated by this little nation called Ai. He said, what gives with this God? Doesn't make sense. And God says, there's sin in your camp. Deal with the sin in the camp and then I'll give you victory. And that's what happened. Number eight. When you see ungodly people prosper, you're trying to do your best to live for Jesus. You're trying to do your best to love God. You're trying to do your best to obey the scripture. And you look over here and you see somebody that's very ungodly, who's got ungodly values and attitudes, and they just seem to be prospering. Dear ones, looks are deceiving. I said looks are deceiving. Here's what we've got to have. You've got to have a protection plan to ward off discouragement. Let me give you a protection plan as we close this out. In Joshua chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, God gave Joshua a protection plan to ward off discouragement. Verse 8 says this, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you'll make your way prosperous, and then you'll have good success. How many of you want to be prosperous? How many of you want good success? It's not that complicated. You just got to go to Facebook. Keep your face in the book. Okay. All right. 
Meditate in it day and night. Meditate in it day and night. Verse 9, have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. In other words, don't you allow discouragement to rob your soul. Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid or dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you. And when you know that God is with you, then you'll make it your habit not only to keep your face in the book, but you'll also make it your habit to press into God in prayer, to learn how to get a hold of God. See, my best prayer times are not when I'm coming and saying, God, this is going on with the church and that's going on with the church and this is going on with one of the children and this is going on here and I'm not feeling so good. And, you know, those are not my best prayer times. My best prayer times are when I just say, God, it's just you and me. I'm not praying to you right now about the church. I'm not talking to you about problems. I'm not talking to you about concerns. Lord, I just want to serve your purposes in in my generation. Lord God, I want to please you and I want to know that you're mine and and I am yours and your banner over me is love and I'm just going to press into you. Hallelujah. Not only that, we need to exercise gratitude, have an attitude of gratitude. That will destroy discouragement. Woke up this morning at 3 a.m. Not because I wanted to. Alarm was set for 5 but I woke up three. I said, oh, Lord, I need to sleep two more hours. I can at least get two more hours, Lord. I, couldn't, I just couldn't go back to sleep. What do you do? I just started praying. And I thought, I'm going to have an attitude of gratitude. My wife's in North Carolina. She's enjoying our grandchildren this week. I miss her. I miss her. And either I can think about her being there and me not being there, or I can just have an attitude of gratitude. Lord, I thank you for Kathy. I thank you that Kathy can be with the kids. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that Kathy's got a merry heart that does her good like a medicine. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, because she's my flower of beauty fair. She's my Mrs. Universe. God, I thank you for 44 years of marriage. I thank you and I named this child and that child and this grandchild and that grandchild. And then I started thinking about you and I started sort of saying, Lord, I give thanks for this one and 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 this one. The Apostle Paul knew what he was talking about when he says, I thank my God upon my every remembrance of you. Because when you start giving thanks to God, it turns the tables and that old spirit of discouragement has to flee. Many may be the afflictions of the righteous. I'm not preaching and saying you'll never have opportunities to be discouraged. But I am saying that if we can say, Lord, I don't want to be led into temptation, but I want to be delivered from evil, then we can be delivered from some marvelous opportunities to be discouraged. We can be delivered from some marvelous opportunities to be down for a season of our life. Glory to God. Hallelujah. You know, when he starts playing, I'm supposed to stop. And I appreciate you, Michael. Glory to God. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The fight is worth fighting. Bow your heads, close your eyes. All over this house, the fight is worth fighting.
with every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand in response to my question, but I'm not going to ask you to come forward or identify yourself. I just want to be able to pray for you. This fight is worth fighting with every head bowed, every eye closed. Nobody looking around, nobody talking, nobody moving right now. You say, Pastor Terrell, I've been wrestling with discouragement. Just, just let me know just by raising your hand. In almost every section of the auditorium, I've been wrestling with discouragement. Well, I can pray for you, but I can't do the battling for you. So I want you to join your faith right now with mine. Lord God, in the name of Jesus, I take authority over demon spirits of discouragement. I take authority over demon spirits of discouragement. Lord God, I take authority over the devil that would try to create spiritual warfare between our ears, in our mind, in our will, and in our emotions. And Lord God, I speak victory today. I speak victory. I prophesy victory for the people of God. Now, what I want you to do right now, if you raised your hand, I want you to say in Jesus' name, come on, say it with me, in Jesus' name, devil be gone. Say it again. In Jesus' name, spirit of discouragement be gone. Thank you for setting me free, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We pray right now that God uses this message to plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Evangel's all about making the name of Jesus famous and His church glorious. We love God, love people, and love life. And we're here for you, working to help draw people from impossible situations into a loving and friendly circle of hope where answers are found and acceptance is given. We invite you to join us for any of our services, Sunday mornings at 10.30 and Wednesday evenings at 7. We're located at 2300 Old Bainbridge Road in Tallahassee. We have fantastic programs for kids and youth and small groups to make deeper connections. And we pray that God blesses you richly and abundantly as you continue to seek Him first in all of your life.